Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast in which we examine the language, context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Dr. Paul Wegner. I'm Tyler Sanders, and across from me is Paul Wegner, who's going to tell us the Hebrew word of the day. Oh, I have a good one for you. Probably one you've been waiting for. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) It's the phrase, the Holy One of Israel, Kodesh Mm -hmm. Israel. Mm -hmm. And um, you guys can tell by the name Israel, so that's a real easy one. But Kodesh means the Holy One, okay? Yeah. in this, that, that this phrase is kind of like a key title for the book. It's um, uh, cursed 25 times, 12 times in the first part, and 13 times in like 40 through 66. Okay. But the whole key is God is holy, Israel's not. And so, so he's, he keeps bringing that up to remind them, this is what you're supposed to be. You're not but this is what you're gonna be and you're supposed to be. I think that's why it's even more in the second part because that's where they finally actually make it. And there's that hope that one day they will be holy where mm. in the first part is all that punishment and it, to get them holy and they don't seem to do very well, but towards the second part that does start happening. So so I think that's probably why that is. Um, our passage is uh, for, uh, 45, 11. So last time we got into 45, but didn't get this far. Mm-hmm. And so um, right. thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, ask me about the things to come concerning my sons and you shall, com- uh, and you shall commit to me the works of my hands. So it's that phrase, the Holy One of Israel, and we're gonna see that regularly now, or every once in a while anyway. Now, is it is it used in this format kind of most often in Isaiah where it's like, thus says the Lord, and then that title comes in? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and most. more likely, notice the Holy One of Israel, it fits right into now he's talking about his sons mm-hmm. uh, and the work of his hands that are, are one day gonna be holy. Yeah, right. So it is interesting. So it works right into it with yeah. these names. Yeah. So, okay. So that's a good one. That's a really good one. And and like you mentioned, we are starting in uh, chapter 45, verse 8. Yes. Because we finished last week on verse 7. We we talked about these palistros balancing each other. And the the one that's matching this one is that a real God cannot be made. The real God is is the maker. So it's it's like... That's the kind of counterpoint. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so that's what we're going to talk about for the next couple verses. And in this one, we still are getting references to Cyrus, I think. Oh, yes. Too, right? Which that was in, in the, the middle, or, or in 45, 1 through 7 is when we first got his name, I yes. believe. Is that right? Yep. And, and now there's a few times when we're going to see it, like a, probably like 11 through 13. Um, yes. Maybe there's some references where it says- Oh, like, it's right um, on the next page, verse 13. Yeah, like verse 13, he will build my city and let my yeah. exiles go free. That's referring back to Cyrus, Cyrus right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I think that's helpful to. And to what's know. interesting is is really this center section is the only time where his name is really mentioned. Every mm-hmm. other time, it's he's I'm bringing one from the east and yeah. from the north and yeah, what uh, he's going to do. Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting. This that center is really an important passage to this whole section. Yeah. So okay, let's let's go ahead and get into it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I want to start verse eight because from there on, it's it's building right into it. I thought it was interesting. Actually, I'm going to start at nine because verse eight is talking about how God's going to bless the nation. But look mm-hmm. at look at verse nine. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker, the earthenware vessel among the vessels of the earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing that you are making say, he has no hands. Woe to him who says to a, to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a mother, to what are you giving birth? So I'm I'm going, why does he why does he bring this up? Now we we've seen that image 
several times or at least yeah. one other time already in the book. Yeah. But why does he bring it in here? Why would why would people start complaining to God? Why are you doing things the way you're doing it? Or why are you, uh, you know, my, my maker has no hands. I mean, that's yeah. that's like. That must be like the ultimate jab. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I had two ideas for this. Okay. I had two see. ideas. One, people have forgotten. Okay. Two, perhaps they have, maybe this is like a holdover from idol worship. Okay. In the sense that like, you know, if you're worshiping an idol and it doesn't work out. Okay. Then you start questioning that thing. Like, hey, how'd you even, you know, I asked you to do this and All you right. didn't do it, you know. Okay. That was my two. I'm okay. sure there's several other options. What if it's. He has just told them he's going to bring Cyrus to deliver them, and what if what do you what if they are saying they don't understand Cyrus? Oh, what if they're saying we don't like that? Oh. Why would you? Why would you bring a pagan king to deliver us? Huh. You know, so so they're questioning God's way of or manner. I think of how he's going to deliver them. Do they should they care? Right. Which, who do they? You know, what does it matter who delivers yeah. them? So, so why are they complaining to God about His plan? And I assume it's because they don't like that this is a well. First of all, somebody's going to get hurt in this, right? This is a king coming to trounce Babylon. Yeah, they're they're in the nation of Babylon. We could get hurt in this process too. Yeah. But even that, why are you going to let another pagan king rule over us? Right. So I'm not sure they're their real push, happy. Their pushback is like, why would you bring a pagan king? Can't you do it? Yeah. Or well, or even, something? More, even more. Because I think they know God's doing it. Hmm. But I think it's, why him? Why not get us a righteous king, hmm. put him over us? Or why not bring that Messiah guy that you, you know, we, right. we've talked about so much? Yeah. Why don't you bring him? Yeah. And, and I think the answer is, hold on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he will bring him. Yeah. But I think at this point, he's saying, I'm doing it my way. And... There's no, should the pot say to the potter, you got no hands or, yeah. or, yeah, or yeah. why are you doing it the way you're doing it? And I think the answer is quit complaining. I'm yeah. going to, I've got the perfect way. It, this is like a kid saying to, yeah. to a parent, I want ice cream. I don't want vegetables. Yeah. And God's saying, you know what? I'm doing it this way because this is the best way. And you just wait and see what I'm doing. Because yeah. remember all the way through, he's kind of been so proud that he's, he can do this and he yeah. can bring this pagan king. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what he's getting at. It, it reminds <laughs> me a little bit of like the parable of uh, the vineyard workers. And it's kind of like oh, people yeah. are like complaining and it's like, yeah. hey, I've been working all day. Yeah. And this these people just came in for like an hour and we're getting the same amount of pay. That's not fair. Yeah. And, you know, God, the vineyard owner or whatever, is kind of like, what is it to you? I did it right. Yeah. I yeah. can pay people whatever I want. You know, yeah. like you don't, you don't see the full yeah. picture here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what's going on. I yeah, think that's, it's really that's interesting. interesting. That's very, that is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the first part. Why would they do that? And I think the answer is because they don't like the way he's doing it. Yeah. And even then God's response comes, look at verse 11. Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his, and his maker. So that's that verse we were just talking mm. about. Ask me about the things to come concerning my sons, and and you shall commit to me that work of my hands. It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands, and I ordained all of their host. I have aroused him in righteousness, and I will make his way smooth. He will build my city and will let my exiles go free without any payment or reward, says the Lord of hosts. 
See, I think that's like the kick. That's yeah. the, like the punchline. Yeah. And he's, I'm not even going to have to pay this that's guy. Right. Yeah, and yeah, notice yeah. he says he will build my city and he's going to build the temple for God. Right. So I think that's really interesting. So here's God saying, okay, I know you may think this is not a good plan, but look, he's going to do it for nothing. And he's going to, yeah. he's going to pay to have all these things built for me. Yeah. What other God can do that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, we got that image again, too, of making the ways smooth, of kind yeah. of cleaning out the path. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's just such an interesting image that I think yeah. we've seen come up again of just, you know, yeah. that's a sign, I think, in this that yeah. God is behind what, what the action that's happening. You yeah. know, he's going to make the way available and smooth and yeah. possible. Yeah, because otherwise it's going to be pretty rough. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> right, yeah. So right after he did that and talked about how he's maker of the heavens and earth and all that, now he says, gather yourselves and come, draw near together, you fugitives of the nation. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols and pray to God, a, a God who cannot save. So now right after he talks about how great he is, now he goes into the idol worshipers again. What verse is that? Uh, that was verse that. 20. So 20, it, okay. uh, in verse 45, or 45, chapter 45. 20. Okay, yeah. yeah. He's already made fun of the idols for not being able to do it. And yeah. now he goes right into it again. So so that, in my mind, that that really tells us that this is a, a serious problem for the people he's talking to. Hmm. Okay, so, yeah. and look what he says. Look at verse 23. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness. It will not turn back. That, that to me, every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say to of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Men will come to him and all who are angry at him will be put to shame. In the Lord, all the offspring of the earth will be justified and will glory. So it's, it's saying, look at one of these days, you don't see it yet, but one of these days, everybody's gonna, gonna be praising me and every knee will bow, so it'd be honored. That's yeah. interesting. Now, these nations are going to look and see what God did for the nation of Israel. And if they see what's going on and can see that Cyrus is even going to build the temple for him and all that, at that point, they could look back and say, what an amazing God that he could do that. But then we know that's also a picture of a future time coming when every knee will bow and every knee will uh, person will profess that God is the king and the, and the, the sovereign Lord. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. I think we've seen two pictures. One, hmm. after the exile, they'll be able to say that. Yeah. But I think then in the future time, they'll be saying it again. Right. So, yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. That, that two-pronged, here's a prophet looking into the future, seeing these events. These things will happen, but they're yeah. not necessarily like concurrent with yeah. each other. There may be gaps between them. Yeah. And some of them quite a long time probably. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. All right. So that's, that's kind of the first part of it. And then we, then we want to go to the next one. So we're at verse 18 through 25. Mm-hmm. And once again, now he's talking about kind of the same things. He's going to talk about these idols again. Mm-hmm. So now he's going to explain his plan. Look, look at how he starts off at verse 18 and 19. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is the one who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it as a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in some dark land. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in a waste place. I, the Lord, speak in righteousness, declaring things that are upright. I think what he's saying there is that I didn't do this in secret. I did this so that everybody could know Hmm. that you have an amazing God that's delivering you. Yeah, God's been really clear about his plan. Yeah, And now he's ready to to make it work. And he's defined again here, 
in terms of like being a maker, creator, yep. you know? Yep. Now look at the next one. Again, he mentions the idols didn't do it. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. why keep bringing it up if it's not such an issue? Yeah. Look, look at 20 and 21. Gather yourselves and come. Draw near together, you fugitives of the nations. They have no knowledge uh, who carry about their wooden idols and pray to a God who cannot save. Declare and set forth your case. Indeed, let them consult together. Who has announced this from of old? Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? There is not one beside me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Do you remember we talked about monotheism mm -hmm. and how there's two different kinds? Mm -hmm. One is what do you call uh, practical monotheism, where it doesn't matter if there's other gods, you just serve me. Yeah. And I think that's like in earlier in the Pentateuch, like in Genesis, he never really comes out and says those other gods are nothing. When you get to Isaiah's time, it's an, I would argue it's an ethical monotheism, meaning yeah. there are no other gods. He's made that so clear. Yeah. And, I, and I think he's got to because these Israelites, for some reason, keep going after these false gods. Yeah. And so to, to say, why would you go after a false god when you've got yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what God's yeah. saying. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways that, I mean, even this little, this little detail in here of like, you carry it around. Yeah. You carry it would not. You know, it, it's yeah. it there's so much undermining of that. Yeah. I think you're I think you're yeah. onto something there that's really there is a strong it, you see more and more and more from God saying like these things are completely worthless. They can't be real. And you let know? me let me take that one more step further. Mm -hmm. These guys are in Babylon, right? Mm. So they would see the Babylonian Akitu festival, which is a new year festival, mm. which every year these gods are paraded around the city then taken back into their idols and put there for the next year. Right. So when he says, and yeah. you know, they carry them around, they would have seen that. They put that. them up in places. Yeah, yeah, and they would have seen those yeah. every year being taken out, their gods marched around the city yeah. and then taken back into the temple. Yeah. So I think that would be also a reminder to them, yeah. what kind of a God needs to be carried around? Yeah, right, so. yeah. <laughs> All right. So that, does that make sense? Uh -huh. yeah. All right. He's got one more thing. He wants to just uh, emphasize his plan a minute. Look at verse 23. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth, righteousness and will not return back to me. Every knee will bow. So we've talked about that, but do you see what he's saying? He's saying, my plan is going to work. You might not think so, but not only is my plan going to work, my plan is is even into the future going to work. Yeah. Remember we talked about that? He's yeah. seeing two things at the same time probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's the emphasis there is that this plan will work and and you might complain about it, but it's the best plan. Yeah. I, I suppose we as humans do that too, right? We, we yeah. might not like the things we're going through, but God's saying, you know that plan that I've got for you? It's perfect. It's the one I want you to have. Yeah. There's been times in my life when I've looked back and said, God, why did, why am I, why haven't you got me somewhere else or something like that? And I think God's saying, you know what? I have you exactly where I want you. I need you here for now. Yeah. And then when I need you somewhere else, I'll put you there. I bet for most people, even the story of their salvation is like that. Oh, maybe. Because yeah. like when you need, I mean, for me at least, it was like the dawning of like, oh, I need. I need salvation. Like I need to be saved. It's kind of a scary yeah. low time a little bit because yeah. that's a scary thing to like realize like, oh, I need help. Yeah. And like, I can't do it myself. Uh -huh. But you, when you look back later, it's, it's comforting. Yeah. Cause you see, you know, you learn, you can trust God, you know, having faith in him is like, it's yeah. rewarded, not just in a way that like, 
you get things or something for it, but it's it's rewarded in that it's you can depend on the truth of it yeah. in a way, you know. Good. It strengthens your it strengthens your faith. But you you know that's a scary that can be a scary yeah. moment that's you know followed by some relief. But like yeah. you always get to look back at that and have comfort then, you know. Yeah. Good. All right, let's head to the next one. Okay. We're now in the next section. So this is a case for God's punishment. Before, it's matched with a section that was a case for God's deliverance before. Mm-hmm. So now he's going to tell, tell us why he's going to punish Babylon. Okay. And he does a really good job of it. Look at uh, uh, the first couple of verses. Yeah. He's, he, you may not know this, but like Bel and Nabu, are there like major gods for Babylon? Mm. So let's see what he's going to say. So Bel has bowed down, Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are, are burdensome, a load for the weary. They stoop over, they have bowed down together. They, are, they could not rescue the burden, but they themselves have gone into captivity. So what a jab. So here, first of all, the idea to have these gods bowing down, mm-hmm. and I assume the image has to be bowing down to God yeah. because he's the new person that has allowed them to be captive. So mm-hmm. the idea of them bowing down to him, but even worse, now they're being carried off as beasts yeah, of burden, you know, yeah. that they're doing them. And so and is, that what, c- is that in verse one, their images are consigned to the beast and the cattle? Do you think that means that they're like, are these idols that are in the image of, oh, a, of cattle or like <clears throat> by being consigned to them, it's like now they are treated it, uh, like, like a beast oh, of I, burden I'm not even sure it's there. I actually think they really are being carried away yeah. uh, by beasts of burden. Oh, I see. I yeah. see. So when they're consigned to them, I think they're it's like sitting they're, on them. Now, I see. I, see, I need I see. to add one more thing to that hmm. because in actual fact, these gods, when, when Persian came in, Persia came in, they usually didn't capture their gods like the Assyrians and the Babylonians did to take them back to show that that you know to the people in Babylon that we've we've now captured this nation and right. here are their gods right, right. and put them in our temple to have them bowing down to our god they usually didn't do that but what this might mean is that even before this when uh, Nabonidus wanted to change gods on Babylon and so mm. maybe what they did is they put them like in storage places like oh, wow. barns and stuff like that oh, where right. animals were so yeah. because because they didn't need them they had they had yeah. a new god yeah yeah so that it might even be that wow so this might not be them being carried away into captivity yeah. but just put into storage because they're not needed right now yeah so, yeah. so it could be that, and that probably makes more sense. Yeah. Okay, so that's first. Look at verses three and four. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from birth. They have been carried from the womb. Even your, to your old age, I will be the same. Even to the graying years, I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you. I will bear you, and I will deliver you. See, I, I just think that's a really encouraging verse. He's telling Israel that all through your life, I've protected you, I've been mm. with you, I've carried you. And he says, not like those idols that were carried by the beasts of burden, yeah. I did it to you. Yeah. But and, and he says, even to your graying, you know, graying years, till you get getting old, yeah. I'll do the same. Yeah. So I just think that's a really encouraging verse. Yeah, I agree. 
So yeah. that, that, I think that's neat. That is. All right. Then he goes back uh, five through 11. I don't can't do it again. <laughs> All right. So look what it says. To whom would you liken me and, and make me equal and compare me that we would be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse or waste silver on the scale, hire a goldsmith and make it into a god. They bow down indeed. They worship it. They lift it upon the shoulders and carry it. They mm -hmm. set it in a place and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may uh, cry to it, it cannot answer, it cannot deliver them. So here, here he is saying, how is this possible? How could a, how could that idol yeah. be taking the place of me? Yeah. You know, so you so, have to carry it, yeah. you know, same thing. So he's, he's just nailed them again for, yeah. why are you doing this? Now look what it says. You remember how I keep telling you that God almost was like bragging that he brings Cyrus. Look at verse 11. So first he says, first the idols can't do it. But look what I can do. Calling a bird of prey from the east. That's probably a good picture for Cyrus. Yeah. Because he was powerful and yeah. he, he did amazing things. Okay, from the east, a man of my purpose from a far country. Truly, I have spoken. Truly, I'll bring it to pass. I have planned it and surely I will do it. Hmm. So there's God yeah. confirming this yeah. is me doing it again. Yeah. All right. And then now the next chapter going in, Babylon's going to be punished. And basically he's... He's really letting him know that, remember how in chapter two, he talks about the people that are high and lifted up are going to be brought down. Oh, right. Babylon is another one of those. That yeah. It's their pride that brought them down. Yeah. So look what it says. Come now and sit in the dust, O a virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, O daughter of Chaldeans, for you shall no longer be called tender and delicate. That's... I assume that means, you know, for a virgin, that would be the terms they would use, tender mm. and delicate. Mm. When they when they go into captivity, she will no longer be considered a virgin because in captivity, she could be raped and all this, that mm. kind of stuff. So, yeah, right. so I guess that's part of the humiliation that God says is going to happen to Babylon. Mm. Yeah. Now it's, well, I'm sure it's figurative, but, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good picture because they knew what happened in captivity. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, take the millstones and grind meal. Remove your veil, strip off the skirt. Oh, let me just tell you one other thing. Take the uh, millstone and grind meal. One of the commentators I read said, this is one of the hardest jobs in all of oh, the ancient Near East. Is grinding the, the, the corn into, into yeah. some meal so they can use it. Yeah. So, so now they're going to be taking these because now they're going to have menial tasks yeah. and hard tasks. Yeah. Remove your veil, strip off the skirt, uncover the leg across the rivers. My guess that means is as they go off into captivity, they're picking up their skirts so it doesn't get mm -hmm. wet. But even seeing that emotion modesty is yeah. kind of a slam yeah. yeah so okay your nakedness will be uncovered your shame will also be exposed i will take vengeance and not spare a man our redeemer the lord of hosts is his name the holy one of israel so i i, I just thought I'd let you see that babylon is not just going to be punished they're going to be humiliated and mm. shamed for trusting in these gods that could do nothing remember yeah. earlier we always hear i i, I bet like four or five times through the book of Isaiah, it says, Israel, if you rely on me, you will never be put to shame. Well, this is just making sure you know, but if you trust in anybody else, yeah. you certainly will. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I'll keep reading just a little more because it, it lets them know how high they were. Look at verse five. Sit silently and go into darkness, daughter of Chaldeans, for you will no longer be called the queen of kingdoms. So that gets you some clue 
Babylon was really at a like a peak yeah. when God brought her down. Yeah. So she'll no longer be called the queen of kingdoms. I was angry with my people. I profaned my heritage and gave them into your hand. You did not show mercy on them or on the age that you, mm -hmm. uh, you made your yoke very heavy. Yet you said, I will be a queen forever. These things you did not consider or remember the outcome of them. So God's saying, boy, you used to you think you were so proud. Look what's going to happen to him. Yeah. And then he's, he closes this. So it, it's got more of those kind of things. But look at verse 10 and 11, or at least 10. You felt secure in your wickedness. You said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge, they have deluded you. But you have said in your heart, I am and there is no one beside me. And remember in chapter 14, where it talked about the king of Babylon, who it gets real close to looking, a lot of, a lot of people say in the latter part, it's, it's talking about Satan. Hmm. It said some of the same things there. For you said in your heart, I am, and there's no one beside me. Oh. That's letting you know that this is picking up and saying, okay, here's that proud Babylon who's now going to be brought down. Yeah, And I think we mentioned there that, that any wicked person is a, is a picture of Satan, but yeah. I still think it's talking about the pride of Babylon that's yeah. now going to be brought down. Yeah, And then this reminds us of that. Okay, but evil will come upon you. You will not know how to charm it away and disaster will fall on you on which you cannot atone and destruction about which you will not know. It will come upon you suddenly. Hmm. So they, that's bad yeah. news for them. Yeah. So that's what's going to happen. Now, I think that's the rest of that is talking about similar kind of stuff, but, but I think we can skip it. Now we're on the logic of God's deliverance. And I think that balances the assurance of God's deliverance. The very beginning. Yeah, of our, the very beginning, yeah. yeah. Our palestrophe. So remember, those two questions were, is God able and is he willing? Mm. This one's now going to pick it up and, and provide, why was God willing and able to deliver you and destroy mm. Babylon? So I'll give a little of that logic there. Okay, at the beginning it says, Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are named Israel, and who come forth from the loins of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and invoke the God of Israel, but not in truth or in righteousness. Do you see what that means? I No, I read that and I wasn't exactly sure yeah. what that was defining. So they, they actually swear in God's name. So everybody thinks they are God's people. But they are... Yeah, but they're yeah. doing it. Un, um, their hearts aren't in it. So, yeah, so, yeah. so they're not following God, but okay. God's supposed to be our leader. So we'll swear by his name. But we aren't really living like that. Yeah. So that's that's what that's saying. For they call themselves after the holy city, after Jerusalem, and lead on the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts is his name. But they don't have any heart relationship with him. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I summarize this next part. So Israel sinned in the first part. It's there. They've got good actions, but their heart's gone. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not following God at all. Yeah. So then the next part is God told them it was coming. Yeah. So look at verse three. I declared to you the former things long ago. They went forth from my mouth and I proclaimed them. Suddenly I acted and they came to pass. My guess is those former things are the judgments that was gonna happen to Israel. Mm. So, so he told them it was coming. It did. And just so he's letting you know, you know, I proclaimed it, it happened. 
Yeah. Now, suddenly I acted and they came to pass because I know that you are obstinate and your neck is as iron sinew and your forehead bronze. Those are the strongest metals at the time. <laughs> it's a great image. Yeah. <laughs> iron sinew and a forehead of bronze. Yeah. Therefore, I declared to them, uh, to you long ago, before they took place, I proclaimed them to you so that you would not say my idol has done this. My graven image and molten image have commanded them. So once again, it's that jab back at you guys. I can't trust you. I I had to tell you in advance that that you so were going to be would protected. Know yeah, it had nothing to do with an idol. Yeah, yeah. So there's um, God explaining why He did that. Now in verses ten through eleven, He's going to explain a little more why He had to do it the way He did. So do you see why I called this the logic of God's delivering? Yeah. He's first told him. It wasn't my problem. It was yours. You were the ones that sinned. Yeah. Then he had to say, I even had to tell you it was coming because if I didn't, you thought your idols did it. Yeah. Now he's going to say, okay, here's why, here's why I sent you to Babylon. I need to refine you. Mm. So here's verse 10. Behold, I've refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. That's, I think that's the key. It, it's a beautiful image, isn't it? Here's, here's gold or silver that's refined in fire. Yeah. But you guys aren't being refined in fire. You're being refined in the oven of affliction. Hmm. I think that's, that's beautiful. I mean, yeah. it, it's telling you exactly what it's like. Yeah. Okay. And it does kind of the same thing. For my own sake, I will act. For how can my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. So here's, once again, telling the logic. I needed to purify you because you were shaming me. You were here, mm. you're called by my name, but you're not even acting like me. So I had to refine right. you and I'm not gonna give right. my glory to an idol or any other, they yeah. can't do it. Yeah. So, so he's saying, if you hadn't have gone through that punishment so that you'd finally turn to me, you'd be, you'd be claiming these other idols did it. Yeah. So a, a, a great logic as to how that works. Okay, then the next section I've got, I'm working out my plan. So now, now he's, he's basically gonna explain it. Listen to me, O Jacob, even Israel whom I called, for I am he, I am the first, I'm the last. Surely my hand has founded the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand together. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him and will carry out his good pleasure on Babylon. So once again, we're highlighting Cyrus, right? He's the one that's yeah. gonna have his good, God's good pleasure on Babylon. And his arm will be against the Chaldeans. I, even I have spoken, indeed I have called him. I have brought him and he will make his way successful. Come near to me, listen to me. From the first, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it took place, I was there. And now the Lord has sent me and his spirit. I gotta stop right there because that's probably one of the most difficult passages in Isaiah. Yeah. So let's look at it in detail. Yeah. First of all, I need to have you see the context. So. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among has declared these things? The Lord loves him. Okay, so any idea who the him is yet? Cyrus. Cyrus, okay. He shall carry out his good pleasure on Babylon mm -hmm. and his arms shall be against the Chaldeans. So we're doing fine so far. Yeah. I, even I have spoken. Who's the I? God. Okay, I've spoken. I have called him. Mm -hmm. God again. I have brought him. Mm -hmm. So here's God bringing God Cyrus, bring Cyrus yeah. and he will make his ways successful. 
So now the he and is now it's third person, but it's still yeah. and he will make his way. So this he has to be Cyrus, right? Yeah. Or I mean God will make his Cyrus's way successful. Yeah. All that makes sense so far? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Come near to me. Listen to this. So I'm assuming the me is God, right? Mm -hmm. From the first, I have not spoken in secret. So I must be God still. Yeah. From the time it took place, I was there. Must mm -hmm. be God. Yeah. And now the Lord has sent me and his spirit. Yep. That gets a little confusing right there. <laughs> so so we so it, it it no longer can be God speaking, right? Now the Lord mm. has sent me, whoever this me is, and his spirit. Okay, I got to tell you, Dr. Wayne Grudem argued that this is the Trinity in the Old Testament. So you've got God, the Lord God, mm -hmm. you've got me, Christ, and his spirit. The only problem I have with that, I probably have a lot of problems with it, but the problem I have with that is Jesus is not mentioned in any of these. Mm. Now, it, it could fit Cyrus, and now the Lord God has sent me Cyrus and his spirit. I, in fact, I wrote a, <laughs> I wrote an article uh, probably about 10 years ago arguing it's Cyrus because hmm. I took it from verses 14 and said, now the Lord God has sent me in his spirit. I now am not convinced of that. So oh. I'm even reversed myself. Okay. Look at this. Come near to me and listen to this. From the first I have not spoken in secret. What if that was Isaiah? Hmm. Okay, so he's just he's just talked about what, God's going to do. What God is saying, basically. And now he says, yeah. come near to me. Listen to this. From the first, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it took place, I was there. So he's actually saying, I was listening to God telling you about this all this time. Hmm. So it's at least possible. And now the Lord has sent me, Isaiah. Yeah, to speak and this. And his spirit. Now, his huh. spirit, usually in the Old Testament, is not the Holy Spirit, because they wouldn't have really had that concept yet. I actually believe that usually when it's talking about his spirit, it means God's power going out from him. Hmm. Uh, like in Genesis, it says, and, and the spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. Mm -hmm. At that point, I think what's going on is they understand God hovering over the world, getting ready to, to do his creation. So his power's there, getting all ready to make this creation. Most places it would seem like in the Old Testament, you've got God's spirit going forth to do a job. It's like his power going out from him and doing it. And I think that's what's here. God has sent me, being Isaiah, and his spirit to give his message and tell and tell what God's gonna do. And if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense because God's empowered Isaiah to send this message to the people. Yeah. So I used to think it was Cyrus. I now think it's probably, even if the first part of that is not Isaiah, I, I do think that by the time you get down here, when he says the Lord has sent me in his spirit, I do think it means Isaiah that's going to be the powerful messenger to tell him about what God's going to do. Because yeah. remember, it, it's all this idea, I didn't speak in secret and all that. So it's the context yeah, yeah, we've seen that. Yeah. That, that I've been telling you all this all along. Well, who'd I use to tell you? Yeah, it was yeah. Cyrus. Or, I mean, it was Isaiah. It, it, Isaiah. Yeah, that's that's pretty fascinating. Uh, it's a complicated it passage. Is complicated. Isn't it is Because yeah. here at the bottom, everything like it switches to something that doesn't even seem to fit. Right. Uh, we're going to have some more of this kind of thing happening mm -hmm. later in chapters like 61 and 62 and 63. Even it, it does that first person again. And I'm wondering now if it's not Isaiah. Hmm. So God's using Isaiah to declare this message. And do 
people assume those passages are also Trinitarian in nature when you get into that first person? Um, not, not necessarily. Um, there is one that they do, like uh, 61 is quoted in, in Matthew, I think it is again, mm. and it talks about, uh, well, when we get there, I'll show you, but I think, I think people will actually argue that's the Messiah. And if that is, then maybe some of these others are too. So people have done that. Most of those don't have the whole Trinity. This is the only one that I know has, tries to speak of all three persons. Um, it, it, at least that's what people think. And I, yeah. I think this is about the only one that does that. Yeah. Okay. But it's a brilliant, I mean, I, I love the the thing. And I, and I actually think it's yeah. interesting that I've actually changed my mind yeah, on this. Yeah, that is pretty, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, what Breaking can I say? Breaking news, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I'm Does this mean you have to write a follow-up yeah. article? No, th this was actually this was actually several years ago. So I, in the commentary, I've actually gone this other way. Oh, okay. Yeah, so All I'm right. okay on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we are at the last section. That, and remember, I told mm -hmm. you about these seams. Yeah. So I want to show you what I think is happening. So major parts in the book, you've got what I think is a seam that mm -hmm. talks about, basically, you can see it here, restoration, the righteous are going to be saved, and the wicked punished. Right. And, and that restoration, it often talks about Israel. It's talking about Zion that's being restored mm -hmm. and all that. It, you're going to see that regularly. In the earlier part, there was actually four parts. That's this, right. Th this one, when it, the restoration, it's, it does, it, it's funny because it doesn't mention the remnant being yeah. saved again. But my understanding of that is that's all that's left. It's this mm. remnant. Oh, this is brilliant. Yeah, have you ever seen heard of Paul Harvey? Oh that, yeah. 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 Okay. I want to tell you, <laughs> I want to tell you an illustration. In the first part of Isaiah, it talks about this punishment. And um, when God sent the Israelites into Babylonian captivity, God actually punished the wicked people the most because look who went into captivity, the leaders, the um, right. the rich people. Right. They took almost anybody who were anybody, like even artisans and stuff like that they took. But you know who they didn't take? They didn't take the poor people. Mm -hmm. They had enough poor people, I guess, in Babylon. Right. They didn't need yeah. any more. But in their minds, they weren't a threat. So actually, if you were a poor person in Israel, in the Babylonian exile, you were better off than ever because those rich mm -hmm. people that just took your land a little while before this yeah, now get gone. carried off into Babylon. And now you get your land back. Yeah. So for the poor people, and remember, God has a heart for the widows and the poor yeah. and stuff. Actually, even in Isaiah, it claims that's not always true because he even mentions that the poor. The, yeah, they've been wicked yeah, as well. We're yeah. so wicked that they. But here in God's plan, God actually protects the the poor and they get their land back. Yeah. You know, that's kind of encouraging to me because that means if any nation ever took over America, he could protect us in that possibility, because I know he's done it before. He's mm. protected the poor people and took the leaders off into captivity. Mm. So I think that's kind of neat and yeah. encouraging to me. But that's only half the story. Here's here's where Paul Harvey comes in. Remember, you always used to say page two, and, right. and then you got the rest of the story. Yeah, The rest of the story is that when they came back from Babylon, the only people that would come back were those who were willing to give up all that they'd gained in Babylon mm. to come back. Right. And that's why they're often called a righteous remnant. They were willing to give up everything just to come back 
to a destroyed city yeah. so that they could set up a, a temple so they could worship their God again, like he, he told them to do. Yeah. So those who cared enough about God's temple and getting sacrifices made so that their sins could be covered, well, those were the only ones willing to come back. I don't know if you remember, but there weren't many. Sure. In fact, in uh, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, it talks about how they had to go and get some of the priests to come back because they didn't want to. You know, who wants to go back to a destroyed city? And remember, yeah. they they've been in Babylon or in the you know in the various places that they sent them to for uh, seventy years or almost a generation, if not more than a generation. Yeah. So they've now. They've become mayors and cities. They've they've got their wealth back, and those didn't want to give it up to come back. Yeah. So so here's here's my second part of the story. So the only ones that would come back would be those that were willing to give up everything and cared enough about God's temple to do it. Yeah. So the the way he did it was to bless their socks off. So when they're in Babylon, he's blessing them. They're getting all this money, all that, so that when they had to give it up. That would show that they really cared about God. Right. That's not the way I would do it. If I was if I was gonna if I was gonna try to bring a remnant from Babylon, I'm surely it wouldn't be. I'd bless them so much that only those who'd be willing to, to give it up the would come back. More difficult. Yeah. yeah. But that's what God did. Yeah. And it's amazing in my mind. Yeah. So here, these people that are coming back are going to be the ones. They are that, the remnant. Yeah, yeah. And they're righteous. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. All right. So here's my scene. In verse 17, it's got like an introduction. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So there's that, our word again. Yeah. And it almost sounds like an introduction to yeah. a new section. Yeah. Look what it says I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. And so that's basically saying, here's the God that teaches you the right way. Now, it, it makes perfect sense in what we just talked about, right? Because it's it's these people that are coming out of Babylon. Yeah. He's the one that's told them, here's yes. what's going to happen and here's yeah. how it's going to work. So it fits that well. But it also fits our understanding of a, a remnant, you know, these the, this restoration come about. He's the one that did that. Now, the next verse I think is amazing. Look what it says. If only you had paid attention to my commands, then your well-being would be like a, a river. Your righteousness would be like the waves of the sea. Hmm. I think he's saying, if only you'd listen, we wouldn't have had to go through what you just went through. Right. We probably all have a lot of if onlys in our <laughs> life, right? <laughs> but I think what is happening here is God saying, I didn't even want to do this. I, I, if only you'd have listened, we could have we could have gone right to. In fact, if you'd have listened, maybe we could go right to the kingdom. You know, we didn't have mm. to have all this time down here of of you know, sending you to Bab uh, to Babylonian captivity and all that. Your righteousness would have been like the river. You know, rivers. Yeah. That's amazing. Here's a heaping yeah. amount of righteousness. Yeah, you know, always more. Yeah, and waves of the sea, the the river right. so, or waves of the ocean. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Your descendants would have been like the sand and your offspring like its grains. So he's saying that's what would have happened had we, could we, could mm. we have bypassed all this? Isn't that sad? Yeah. I think that's a brilliant passage. Yeah. Okay. Their names would never have been cut off or destroyed from my presence. I, in my mind, that's covering the righteous would be saved. So mm -hmm. the, the well-being would bite, be like a river and all that. The wicked would be punished. That's it. If only you had uh, paid attention to my commands because right. they didn't. And then the, the the real part of that is that like verse 22, there's no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. So there's both of those verses, I think, are highlighting, here's that wickedness. 
you, you had to go through this because you guys didn't listen to my commandments. Yeah. So it's that, like that other side. Now, here's, here's the restoration talked about. Go forth from Babylon, fee, flee from the Chaldeans, declare uh, with the sound of joyful shouting, proclaim this, send out to the ends of the earth, say the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. Wow. Hmm. Okay, so he's saying announce that to everybody. Yeah. Okay, he has made the water flow from out of the rocks for them. He split the rocks and the waters gushed forth. I think that's highlighting the Exodus, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually saying, okay, just like I did it back it's kind there, of the same, same thing I'm going to do here. Yeah. Yeah. There is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. So it seems like to me you've got that all those themes that we're talking about the righteous being saved, the wicked punished, and the restoration highlighted right here. And yeah. then you've got that refrain that closes it. Yeah. So my guess is, well, I know there is, there's going to be another one at the end of the next section. Yeah. So and remember, it's very similar to this one. Only the only difference is there's no peace, says my God for the wicked. So it's a different mm. name. So here's the Lord. And oh. probably because here's the whole thing's been talking about God's delivering of his people, right? Yeah. So, and, and remember the the covenant name for with Israel is the Lord. So I think because everything highlighted that, now the word Lord is used. Yeah. Later on, he's going to talk about even the Gentiles. Mm. And so it's going to talk about my God, yeah. I think. So that's, yeah. that's why I think the two names are different, but the refrain it's is so similar. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's what we got this week. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's that's really good. Yeah. So um, what we've just done is we just closed off that section now. Yeah. So we've we've basically gone through all those eight, or nine chapters. Yeah. And that's the first nine. We're going to look at the next nine next time. Well, probably not all of them. We'll probably but have we'll to be split in the next the nine, this next section next of nine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good. So then we probably should read, I don't know, 49, 50... I was thinking we could get to this uh, third servant song even. Up to 51? Actually, we can even do to 52 because the okay. last part of 52 then goes into the servant song. Okay. But it's only like two verses. So Okay. So why don't we read to 52 and that you'll see the most servant songs in one section next week. All right. Well, I'm glad we, we worked through this whole palestrophe and this yeah. kind of really the first section of the second part. Yep. major, you know, I guess this is the first subsection of the second major section of Isaiah yeah, that we've been there looking we go. at. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Well, we have our homework. Uh -huh. We're ready to to call it an episode. So right. thank you so much. Thanks everyone who's listening. <laughs> we'll Pay attention you. this week as we... See you soon. Yeah, keep studying Isaiah. <laughs>